Welcome to the Clever Chance podcast, where our experts discuss pressing issues and trends faced by the business world today. Hi everyone, my name is Rob Tang and I'm a counsel based in the Sydney office of Clifford Chance, specialising in international arbitration. Hi everyone, my name is Alexandra Zhu. And I'm Heran Chung. Alex and I are both associates and we are also based in the Sydney office of Clifford Chance, also specialising in international arbitration. This is the fourth and final episode of Clifford Chance's Australian Arbitration podcast series. In today's episode, we will be talking about cybersecurity in the context of international arbitration and what we all need to look out for. Hey, Ryan and Alex, can you please explain to our listeners why arbitration might be vulnerable to cyber disruptions or attacks? Sure. One of the immediate concerns is the exchange of sensitive data and communications, both internally and externally. This is especially a concern where there is a digital document production in arbitral proceedings and parties need to rely on technology such as cloud-based storage to host and share data, particularly in cross-border matters. We've also seen the IT systems of large multinational companies under attack with hackers motivated to steal and exploit very sensitive private data. For example, a recent cyber attack on Lion Nathan demonstrated the broader consequences for the company especially during a pandemic, as they had to temporarily shut down their IT system and halt their manufacturing and supply operations. That's right. In international arbitrations involving a party with sophisticated cyber capabilities, there is also a risk that that party could attempt to obtain evidence or strategic information from its opponent through nefarious cyber activities. For example, we have seen cyber attacks in the ICSID case of Lebanonco and Republic of Turkey, where a party intercepted privileged correspondence through a separate money laundering investigation. And it's also important to recognise the number of custodians of sensitive data involved in the arbitral process. This includes the parties, counsel, the tribunal, arbitral institutions, and in many cases, government agencies, experts and witnesses. Each of these custodians represents a target for cyber attackers and a potential point of weakness in relation to the security of arbitration data. Any cyber attack on or data breach by a custodian could impact all other custodians involved. I agree. And that's why the arbitral community must be alive to cybersecurity at all stages of the process. Failing to protect the information collated, shared and retained in high stakes and sensitive arbitrations could lead to the disclosure of confidential and commercially sensitive information and damage to the reputation of the parties, liability under regulatory frameworks, including data protection regimes. So Alex and Hiran, can you explain what the arbitration community has done so far to respond to these threats? Sure. So some arbitral institutions, including the HKIAC and the LCIA, have updated their procedural rules to include specific provisions on cybersecurity and data protection, and others have introduced secure digital platforms for the management of case materials. The HKIAC rules, which entered into force in November 2018, specifically included as a recognised means of communications any secured online repository that the parties have agreed to use. The updates to the LCIA rules, which will take effect from October 2020, explicitly provide that any processing of personal data by the LCIA is subject to applicable data processing legislation. The updates also require that the tribunal must consider, at an early stage of the arbitration, 
whether to adopt specific information security measures to ensure that any personal information exchanged during the arbitration complies with the applicable data protection legislation. That's right, Alex. In addition, late last year, the ICAR, New York City Bar Association, and the CPR Institute released the 2020 Protocol on Cybersecurity in International Arbitration. The purpose was to both provide a framework to determine reasonable information security measures for individual matters, as well as increase awareness about information security. The protocol is broken down into 14 principles and stresses the presence of increasingly pervasive cyber attacks and the need to assess security risks and identify available measures that may be implemented. However, it doesn't aim to be a one-size-fits-all solution. Rather, it acknowledges that each arbitration is unique and requires a case-by-case -case analysis. That's right. We won't take you through each of the 14 principles in the interest of time, but we will take you to some of the key principles. Take for example Principle 2, which mandates that the parties, tribunal and institution should consider the baseline information security practices as a threshold matter. The suggested practices include identifying categories of sensitive data and taking steps to minimise and protect that data by establishing appropriate document retention and destruction policies. Principle 6 works in tandem with Principle 2 as it sets out the various factors that the parties and the tribunal should consider in setting the specific information security measures. These include the risk profile of the arbitration. For example, are there any IP, trade secrets or commercially valuable information being exchanged? The burden and cost to those involved in setting these measures as well as the efficiency of the arbitral process. Also relevant are Principles 10 and 11, which focus on the role of the tribunal, both in terms of ordering specific measures, such as limiting the disclosure of confidential information and personal data, and raising the issue of information security as early as possible, by the time of the case management conference at the latest. Thanks, Alex and Heron. So in a lot of this growing attention to cybersecurity risks in international arbitration, can you explain to our listeners what has been recommended in terms of mitigating this risk? Well, as we mentioned earlier, there is no one-size-fits-all solution to protecting sensitive data in arbitration. The 2020 protocol recognises this and says that subject to any data protection laws and regulations that might apply, like the ones imposed by the EU Cybersecurity Directive, mitigation strategies should be designed having in mind what is considered reasonable in the circumstances of the case. This means that in coming up with effective measures, a range of issues need to be considered, including the nature of the sensitive information in the arbitration, any history of cyber vulnerability of the parties, and equally their cybersecurity capabilities, and the consequences of a cyber breach, such as risk to the confidentiality of the arbitration and other risks of financial loss. And after assessing those risks, there are three key areas of risk mitigation that the 2020 protocol provides some helpful guidance on. First, establishing security protocols for the storage and transfer of sensitive information. Second, limiting the exchange and disclosure of sensitive information where that's appropriate. And third, setting out a procedure that the tribunal and the parties can follow in the event that there happens to be a cyber breach. Now, on the first point concerning storage and transfer of information, the parties could agree to the use of specific processes and prohibit other riskier procedures for particularly sensitive data. This might mean using secure portal platforms with password protection rather than commercial email accounts that may be more easily compromised. 
and the password could be shared through a separate channel of communication such as text messaging. Alternatively, if the parties are thinking about using emails, it might be a good idea to consider agreeing to the encryption of those emails that include particularly sensitive arbitration data. That's right. And I think it's a live issue that we also need to think about because of the number of virtual hearings we are now having in our current environment. You will have to consider the communication channels being used between parties and their counsel. The choice of platform for virtual hearings is also vitally important. Our listeners may have seen the recent issues regarding the potential security weaknesses of Zoom. A year ago, we probably would have been more focused on the risks inherent with travel, such as the use of unsecured networks to public Wi-Fi spots. But we're in a much different situation now. Yeah, that's a great point, Alex. In terms of my second point on limiting the exchange and disclosure of information, I think one way of minimising disclosure, in addition to redacting documents, is to restrict the access of information in certain instances to a limited number of people on a need-to-know basis. This could mean introducing additional tight access controls to websites, such as multi-factor authentication, and implementing procedures that will enable parties to detect any unauthorised access to systems that contain sensitive data. It could also be a good idea to have the parties evaluate each access point and device for security compliance. I think your final point on defining a procedure for the event of a cyber breach raises particularly important considerations for the parties and the tribunal. In case there is a cyber incident or data breach, the 2020 protocol recommends the parties to have agreed procedures in place for notification to affected parties and for the allocation of costs to the party responsible for the incident, as well as discretionary sanctions. Whilst it makes sense for cost consequences to be imposed on the party responsible for the incident, I think there needs to be a balancing exercise here. By this I mean it's not going to be clear-cut who caused the incident, and it may not be in the party's interest, from a cost or timing perspective, to distract themselves from the substantive merits hearing in order to investigate the root cause of a data breach or cyber attack. Yeah, thanks Alex and Rob. The 2020 protocol also suggests that the tribunal and the parties should consider agreeing a security incident response plan to make sure that if there are any security breaches, those breaches can be identified and rectified quickly, and relevant parties who are affected by the breach can be notified in a timely manner. In practice, this might mean that the parties and the tribunal agree to each appoint a contact person who can be responsible for coordinating communications in the event of a breach. I think it's equally important that everyone who's involved in the arbitration is fully aware of their legal obligations in terms of reporting any breach, whether that be to the affected parties, regulatory agencies or other governmental authorities. Thanks, Heron. The 2020 protocol also recommends that the parties and the tribunal discuss prior to and during the initial case management conference whether any other appropriate cybersecurity measures should be incorporated into the terms of reference or procedural order. It will be great to hear from our listeners what your thoughts are on this topic of cybersecurity. Please do reach out to us and we can keep the conversation going. That wraps up the Clifford Chances Australian Arbitration Podcast Series. We look forward to talking to you again next time. You have been listening to the Clifford Chance podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast by visiting cliffordchance.com and follow us on LinkedIn. The content of this podcast does not constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. 
Specific legal advice about your specific circumstances should always be sought separately before taking any action.